This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. And we are back up. Sanjim Gang Part 2. Yeah, yo. Part 2 of episode... Oh, come on. 38. We're on 38. No, part we're... two. No, we're not. We're on... We're on 39. Where part two would be 39, because no, part on one part, is 38. But this is part part two of one episode. Well, yeah, but on Apple, part one of Catherine Knight was 36. Part two was 37. It numbers them. And okay. So you're currently in the 39th episode. 39th trimester. Best way to look at it, I think. And you're a ball of fire right yeah. now. It's been a day. But this is, but that is beside the point. We maybe we'll just say this: we we're not doing a daily show today because it's been such a day. This is the yeah, first your son time broke his jaw. Yeah, first time we haven't done a daily show since we started it. Because you've been doing hospital things all day. <sighs> Happened yesterday, and just been hospitals and surgical consults. Since. It was a bicycle wreck. Yeah, he was riding a bike inside of. Uh, Skate parks, one of those cement bowls, like a yeah. pool bowl, but not. And he uh, went over the handlebars and landed on his chin, knocked himself and out. That's not how you ride a bike. No. Lacerated his chin about an inch and a half underneath, all the way. His bone was poking out like his chin was folded up over his cut, and you could see his bone. And he fractured his jaw there. And then back about midway on that on the on the on the on the right side on the right side yeah right side and uh, yeah anyway it's been a long day but it's been a long day long couple days for you too we don't have to talk about your long days but well up when we last left the Sun Jim gang I take you don't want to talk about your day then I don't okay fine we'll just talk about mine and the Sun Jim gang. Let's do this thing. I'm excited. He's going to live. Yeah. He's going to be... And as a matter of fact, I just saw him behind you just yeah. about two seconds ago. Yeah, he's uh, just fine. He's going to he be lying. fine. He opened the door and he was like, hey, when are we going to... What, where was he <clears throat> wanting to go? He said, when's my mom picking me up? And you said, eight o'clock. And he was like, that's right. Okay, bye. Because he sounds like that. He does. He does. He sounds so low. I want him to do ads for me or for for us. I think that'd be fun, but I don't know if he'd take it seriously. He's like, let me do your ads. I'm like, I don't know if you're going to take it seriously. We'll see. Maybe I'll have him. It would also one. be fun to have a minor read the ad for Drizzly. <laughs> yeah. I can't even drink, and my dad doesn't drink at all. <laughs> I've never seen alcohol. <laughs> We don't even use it for cuts and scrapes around here. <laughs> I see propyl alcohol not allowed in this house. Oh, man. Is it propyl or isopropyl? Isopropyl. Isopropyl. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. When we last left the Sun Gym yes. operator mm-hmm. in part one, the gang, which consisted mainly of Danny Lugo, Jorge Delgado, Adrian Dorbal, and Carl Weeks, had quote unquote successfully robbed Mark Schiller of almost everything he owned. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. After 
six ham-fisted attempts. Yeah, <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Yeah. Now at this point in time, they are living in his house. They are spending his money. Wow. They are selling his belongings, and John Meese, the owner of the Sun Gym, had been using his power as a notary to knowingly notarize all of the documents illegally. <laughs> Let me say that again. Yeah. John Meese had been using his power as a notary to knowingly notarize all of the documents illegally. You know, you wonder why that doesn't happen more with notaries, like why they don't do that. I'm sure it does. Yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Are you a notary? No. You just seem like the kind of person that would be a notary. Yeah, my problem with being a notary is I'd like the I'd like the title and I'd also like the badge and I think it comes with the monocle. But the problem I have is I don't like interacting with people. Most of what you'd notarize is probably titles. Yeah, for vehicles, which titles. is good as a notary in Kentucky. You don't get bothered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, while these uh, while this group is running through Mark Schiller's money and living in his house and selling his stuff. Mark Schiller himself is laying low in Colombia. He's out of the country. He's with his family and his daughter, just kind of laying low in Colombia. Now, he did contact the police on multiple occasions, but they never believed him when he started rambling about a bunch of muscle-bound maniacs kidnapping him and making him take their money or make and taking his and making him help them take his money. You wrote this, right? You wrote I it. think so. Okay. <laughs> Edibles. <laughs> Somebody wrote it. I was there. <laughs> My uh, fingers were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but your brain wasn't. You're typing too much. <laughs> what are you even talking about? This episode isn't about meteor rots. I had a long bit in the middle of this about meteors and space exploration. <laughs> Just... <laughs> your, inner, your inner monologue voice sounds like Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> yeah, or... Some, somebody said Tally from Tally? South Park. Oh, yeah, Tally. <laughs> or the old man on Max and Tam's family. What mm. are they? Mm, good one. That's Parkins. a good show. What's it called Parker. again? Parkinson's. Max and Tam's Parsons. family. Parks and Recreation. Sterendaugst. This cartoon, you know, with Peter and Frampton. Family Guy. Yeah. Then The you, old you man that's like, hey, that? hey, boy, why don't you come over have some candy out of my butt. <laughs> I don't have any candy, but I got some popsicles in the basement. <laughs> yeah. You got some fun inner monologue voices anyway. Now, Danny Lugo, the, the leader, the ringleader of the Sun Jim gang, he was still married. And, by the way, his wife pregnant at the time. But he also began, when he got this money and these cars, he began cheating on his wife with a stripper Oof. by the name of Sabina Petrescu. Hmm. Remember that name, Sabina Petrescu, because she really doesn't have a lot to do this do with this story. But I'm going to make fun of her a lot throughout this th- throughout the fun. rest of this episode. Hey. She was a t- <clears throat> little bit about her former yeah. penthouse model, Ooh. Romanian immigrant, and Danny Lugo had met her at their favorite strip club called Solid Gold. And that's if you remember from part one, where they would always go after a failed kidnapping attempt and booze it up, and he'd give a pep talk like the the locker room coach at the end of every college football movie you've ever seen. <laughs> By the way, Solid Goat's still a strip club, now called Dean's Gold, though. Dean's Gold. That's a weird name. Why yeah. would they? Why would they change it to Dean's well, a guy named, Gold? I'm assuming. I didn't. This is wasn't in my research, but I'm assuming a fella named Dean bought it. And he's like, I want to keep most of the name, but I want to make it my own. So he got creative and called it Dean's Gold. 
And there's like six people that know him that they're really proud of the name change. You know, they know Dean and they think he it's well deserved. Yeah, but just because this is kind of a higher end strip club in Miami. Oh, okay, all right. Well, maybe Dean is more of a more of a fixture of the community than I like to believe. Danny Lugo, like I said, dating Sabina Petrescu. Uh, whenever they started dating, Danny's cheating on his wife, his pregnant wife. Danny gets Sabina an apartment, and he starts giving her an allowance. He got a one bedroom apartment on the uh, on Main Street. Eight hundred dollars a month is what he paid for it, and he told her that he got all this money. How you think? What, what do you think? What job do you think he gave Sabina? Something believable, so that um, his cover won't get blown easy. What do you think Danny tells her he does? What he does, or what Sabina does? What do you think Danny Lugo tells his uh, mistress that he Miss- does in order to be able to afford to to treat her lavishly like this? Oh, he's probably this is this is the nineties, right? Yeah. So he yeah probably import export import export. Yeah, that's usually what the. Drugs guys say when they have a lot of money, but they don't want to tell you exactly what they do. So they say they're an import-export. Danny Lugo kind of went the other side of the law and told her that he worked for the CIA. Oh, he's an idiot. Okay. Mm. Oh, he's an idiot? She believed him 100%. (laughs) She was all in. this. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That's the first thing that people in the CIA do is uh, whenever they meet somebody new, they're like, by the way, did I tell you I'm in the CIA? (laughs) I know I know one guy who was in the CIA, and guess when we found out? You probably had known him for years. When he was out of the CIA. Thank you. That's exactly when, after his marriage had fallen apart and everything, and he couldn't do it anymore. But other than that, yeah, he, had, he owned like a local business. He was a cyclist. He had a little family and traveled for, quote-unquote, traveled for business. No, he was with the CIA the whole time. She is... Maybe the most gullible human being on the planet. She got dragged in the newspapers because she also takes part in this a little bit because she thinks she's working in CIA covert operations. This is true. I'm not making this up. She helps them on a couple occasions because Danny Luco convinced her that what they were doing was CIA operations and not just cold-blooded murder for financial gain. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I wonder how the law looks at that. Like, if you were deceived into thinking that you were operating with a sanctioned organization. I read one newspaper from the time that said, Sabina Petrescu has a beautiful face with absolutely nothing behind it. (laughs) That's fun. I like that. And she was beautiful. Yeah. Danny Lugo, the ringleader of the Sun Jim Gang, he's trying to lay low. He's not trying to be too flashy. It's too flashy. That's the last thing you want right now is attention, right? They've just, after all, kidnapped a millionaire and tortured him for months and took everything from him, over $1.2 million in stuff, and caused him to flee the country. And he's trying to contact special investigators and cops. Not a good time to be flashy. So Danny Lugo, he he realizes this, and he goes ahead and leases an $80,000 gold Mercedes in Jorge Delgado's name and starts driving it around. Gold Mercedes. I want to say that again. Yeah. <laughs> Gold <laughs> Mercedes. What an idiot. He's just... <laughs> I would have bought a gray Honda Civic. It reminds me of the guy with the yellow Hummer in Breaking Bad. I'm like, could you be any more obvious? Yeah. 
But it's, I would argue, way too much when you're trying not to get the attention of the law. Also, two things. One, that car becomes outdated within a year yeah. per, per rich people's standards. Two, you've covered it in gold really hard on resale value, really hard to sell it because your market really narrowed down to just rich people. But nobody wants a 2011 <laughs> when it's 2022. Yeah. And this is a uh, 91 gold Mercedes. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're in 95 Mm. by the end of this. Meanwhile, Adrian Dorball, his 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 right hand man, buys a a brand new pearl white Nissan 300 ZX. And he's also just blowing through the money. If you remember the Nissan 300 ZX op, it's one of those cars that skyrocketed in value when Paul Walker and Vin Diesel came out in the Fast and the Furious and then they made Fast and the Furious, 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 and then Paul Walker died, and then they made Fast and the Furious, and then they made Fast and the Furious, and then they made Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and you're not kidding when you listed all of those, huh? You counted the right number, because aren't they at eight? Are they at eight or nine? There's there's seven too many. <laughs> yes. Yes. What a franchise. But the Nissan 300ZX, one of those one of those cars that a, that a lot of people my age, um, when we were 19, 20 years old, were trying to get our hands on. Oh yeah, that was the car to have. Fun little car, badass little car, and looked great when you know in the early two thousands when you put a body kit on it. Yeah, because body kits were big then. Yeah, ground effects. Those lights that shine down on the ground and look fucking yeah. stupid. Curb feelers, and now all the guys with a little bitty just fucking just a head for a penis. And those big trucks that squat in the rear end and look like a dog taking a shit. Yeah. I don't even know why people do that. To the, it looks so stupid. It looks yeah. like you could only afford half of a lift kit. <laughs> they always put those lights on the bottom of those. But I'm gonna, I don't want to sound like a cranky old man with these young people and their stupid car trends. You know what the current car trend that I can't stand is? And this will be the last thing I'll say for 21 minutes, I promise is stanced wheels you know when the wheels they, are they tilted in. outward oh yeah and how hard does that have to be on tires yeah actually i take that back how hard does that have to be on everything everything your suspension can't possibly work right you're you're basically using a, a mountain bike's width of tire on your whole tire the steering has to be janky oh so touchy probably it has to feel like driving a walmart go-kart down the interstate at 70 miles an hour yeah anyways adrian doorball he's putting around town in his new pearl white nissan 300 zx he also starts dating one of the strippers at the solid gold strip club and her name was beatrice wayland whoa while they're dating though Adrian comes across the picture of his girlfriend, the stripper Beatrice, uh, standing with a man, and that man is standing next to a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar nineteen ninety one yellow Lamborghini Diablo. Why all the colors? Why all? This of is them? Miami, baby. This is Miami Ooh. in the nineties, and these are rich jackasses. That's what they do. It's everything, and I feel like during this time and in this place and with this particular group of people, meaning rich businessmen, it's about look at me. Look at me, look at me. And it's about being as annoyingly loud as possible. Ugh, I and say. materialism and buy on having marble everything. Their fucking cocks are marbled. Everything Ugh. is marble and just gold. And it's got flowers on it and jewelry and big rings. Cocaine. Vajazzled. Cocaine, just a 
mountain. Go skiing on a mountain of cocaine. Ugh, gross. The man in that picture standing next to that $250,000 yellow Lamborghini was Frank Griga Op. Frank Griga. And unfortunately for Frank... He had just popped on to the Sun Jim Gang's radar. Dun, dun, dun. Adrian Dorball starts prodding his girlfriend Beatrice about information on this guy. What does he do? Where does he live? Blah, 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 blah. And he takes an interest in Frank Griga just because of this one picture, this picture with him sitting next to a Lamborghini. Also, fun fact about Adrian Dorball op. What do you think I'm getting ready to say? He's albino. No, no, he's actually the opposite darker fella. But he did have a horrible, this is true, had a horrible case of erectile dysfunction. It was well documented and came out multiple times in the courtroom, sometimes to an annoying degree. Like, why are we still talking about the fact that this fella's dick doesn't work? His dick couldn't get hard even if he died on Mount Everest butt naked and his entire body froze over. His entire body could be a solid ice cube and his little soft limp PP would still be out there on that cold, winning. Windy Mountain, just so soft, just so soft. He had the worst case of erectile dysfunction. Erectile dysfunction so bad that even in in sub zero temperatures, his penis wouldn't even freeze to get hard. Oh, up! You're in your forties. You can probably relate to this guy. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Now, this is something that in the movie Pain and Gain they 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 bring they take to a comedic degree. Uh, that's a, that's a character plot point of Anthony Mackie who plays Adrian Dorball in the movie um they got that right because in real life adrian dorball had a horrible case of erectile dysfunction and all of it of course was brought on by his irresponsible and non-stop use of steroids yeah that's a that's actually a thing huh like well, um with steroid cycles you're supposed to cycle on and cycle off you're not oh, supposed to that's why they call it a cycle you're not supposed to do them back to back to back to back that's so bad for you as mm. long as you do a a build-up and they have it's been so long since I did a cycle, but I always had to do this buildup of, of some kind of nutrients or vitamins, or maybe it was testosterone, before you start the cycle, and then you also cycle off of it. Mm. So as long as you ease into it and ease out of it and then take some time off and then start another cycle, you're usually good. But what a lot of these bodybuilders do is they just go boom, 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 boom. They go from one cycle right into the other without being responsible. And that's when you start causing problems. That's when things start shrinking unless you're a woman and then things start not shrinking. Yeah. If you're a woman, you you start growing a penis, a little, like Weird. a little one. Crazy. But looks like a... Looks like uh, maybe a a nine year old sticking their dick through a fleshy clam. <laughs> That's what women get going on. Yeah, and yeah. then with men, it just looks like a nine year old. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's fleshy clam. I'm kidding. Uh, I, don't, I mean, it doesn't affect the the penis of the man. It just really ruins his balls and makes them tiny. But mm. Frank Griga, their new target, was a Hungarian immigrant who had worked his way up from a car wash to be the top man of a phone sex hotline empire. <laughs> really? Yes. The Hungarian wow. community in Miami considered Frank Griga to be the Alexander Graham Bell of phone sex. This is all true. Wow. Did you ever call any of those phone sex hotlines when you were a kid? No. Well, you know, there's there was the off, like, chan- the, like there were a couple times I remember where, like, you'd get a wrong number, and it'd be, 
something like that. Yeah. But no, I, I, I was very aware of the fact that it costs money. And so there was no way I was going to let that show up on a phone bill somewhere. Well, me and my friend Ora Wayne Hurley, <laughs> who I think I've talked about on this show that I grew up with, were also aware that it costed money. <laughs> Fortunately, his mother had a credit card. Oh, my gosh. We were probably about nine or ten years old, and I guess Connie, his mother, golly gee, she must have got $500 of charges from phone sex hotlines on her credit card because me and Ori were calling phone sex hotlines and using her credit card. And we wouldn't even say anything. We would just giggle because she'd be like, (sighs) just a lot of heavy breathing. And I could never tell if it was because... The woman's actually turned on if the like all the operators were just morbidly obese and they literally just breathing that way to exist. But and you didn't have to say anything to get them going as long as the clock's ticking. So they're like Well, and they want to and they correct me if I'm wrong. Those are those are the calls. They want to keep you on as long as possible. They do. Right? And you don't have yeah. to say anything and you can still make them wet somehow. I don't It's I don't crazy. Know. You cannot say Probably. anything and somehow she still gets horny. Makes me wonder if they're lying. Honestly, because she'd be like, it'd be like, oh, what are you wearing? Uh, oh, you don't even have to answer Yeah. It's so wet. It's fine. Mm. Oh, are you touching yourself? <laughs> oh, that's fine. You're bashful. You don't have to answer. Mm. And then it's like me and Ori just. <laughs> uh, I am so uncomfortable. Oh, God. You, you sound so sexy. And you're just, we're not even saying anything, but somehow. She's so horny just to to silence. Yeah. I think they're full of shit. That's what I think. I'm thinking you're probably right. You know who wasn't full of shit? Connie's anger. That was genuine. That was real. She was mad when she got that credit card statement. Yeah, I would probably agree. I could understand Very that. Very genuine emotions. Yes. She's like, what were you all thinking? And I was like, I had learned a lot. I was like, it's not that big a deal. She was like, get out now. Were you never allowed back? Oh, yeah. We were friends. I mean, I still keep in touch with Ori to this day. Now, oh, good. Frank Griga, he was worth $10 million up, and he wasn't bashful about flaunting it like we've already talked about. He owned a brand new $700,000 mansion, seven hundred k at 308 South Parkway in Golden Beach. That mansion last sold on June 10th of 2010 for $1.7 million. So this is a $700,000 mansion in, you know, the early 90s. Uh, and it was brand new when he had bought it. The house had been built. I was able to find the uh, the records on it. Been built in 91. So this is a brand new house. Very likely he was the first person to ever move into it. And it is now worth, well, it last sold in 2010 for 1.7 mil. So it's probably in today's housing market, I would say $3 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah. $3 million house. Today. He also had a That's yacht crazy. already, like, right it's hard to feel bad for anybody that has a yacht. Yeah. But he's a victim, so let's be nice. Had a yacht. But then you're like, yeah, okay, let's be nice. But he called it foreplay. Uh, what is it with Miami? It's just like really interesting. And corny and cheesy and tacky. Yeah. Those are, those are all words come to mind. I think the best mind. word to describe Miami, in this, especially in this time, is tacky. Yeah, there's something really it, like on about it. Frank Griga also owned a condo in the Bahamas, and he also had a royal blue Vector W8, 
which was a $200,000 experimental sports car that was extremely rare and looks like a Lamborghini fucked a Ferrari. That's, uh, it was super rare car, never really made it into production, but it, I mean, if you just saw one drive by real fast, you'd think it was a Lamborghini. Oh, visually, visually, visually similar. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, Adrian Dorbal is prodding his girlfriend for all this information. And when he finds all this stuff out, the, the $700,000 mansion, the yacht, his condo in the Bahamas, these rare sports cars, he goes straight to Danny Lugo, the ringleader of, of the Sun Jim gang, and feels him on and who he, on who he thinks their next target should be, Frank Griga. Now, the Sun Jim gang had already kind of honed in on another person. They already had picked their next target. It was a uh, Sun Jim regular there, a guy that came in there to work out, a Jamaican man by the name of Winston Lee, and he had made his money drug dealing. Like I said, they had picked him out because he had a bunch of money, but also because he had been overheard calling Adrian Dorball stupid. Mistakes. And in uh, Winston Lee's defense, Adrian Dorball, everybody in this is very stupid. <laughs> All of them. Just huge foreheaded Neanderthals. <laughs> everybody in this is a fucking Neanderthal. <laughs> And I don't know if that's a Florida thing, but here, um, <laughs> this was Danny's plan to pick up Winston Lee. He, his plan was to borrow a UPS truck from one of their friends there at the gym and then pose as delivery men. I think that maybe they were less interested, honestly, in kidnapping people, and they just like dressing up. <laughs> it seems like it. Because they're muscle heads, you know, they, they really want to. I, th- I feel like if we had cosplay and conventions in the early 90s, or it was more accepted we could have circumnavigated some kidnaps and murders. I, I agree. Yeah, these men just want to cosplay. That's all they want to do, but they don't want to get picked <laughs> on. You know, Adrian Dorball just wants to dress as the Hobbit from Lord of the Rings and walk around <laughs> a little bit. But this is all just to satisfy sick needs. This is cosplay gone wrong. That's what this is. So they're going to pose as UPS delivery men, and when uh, Winston Lee opens the door, there they're going to knock on his door. They're going to tase him and tie him up and take him back to the warehouse. But. They couldn't pin down a time when Winston Lee would be home because he was always going back and forth between his home in Miami and his home there in Jamaica. So they could never, like, catch him home. He was unpredictable, whereas, you know, Mark Schiller, it was easy with him because they knew his whole routine. He never deviated from his routine. Um, he was easy to to figure out as long mm-hmm. as their van was working and uh, dogs weren't barking at him as they lay in the front yard under a gigantic black blanket and try to blend in with the grass. Idiots. <laughs> so, still one of the funniest visuals in my head. Uh, so stupid. So upon hearing about Frank Griga, the Sun Jim gang, they switched targets. They're like, okay, forget forget Winston Lee, the Jamaican man. We're going for Frank Griga. Meanwhile, op, Sabina Petrescu, the, the young lady that I said is maybe not so intelligent, is beginning to think that maybe Danny Lugo isn't actually in the CIA. Oh, starting to clue in on that bit of truth. Well, Danny put all of her worries to the side that that maybe he was lying to her whenever he took her pager and made his ring, his call, 007 when he called. So when he called her pager, it would come up as 007. So she, she felt like that's some magic wizardry and, you know, must be legit. Well, he also started filling her in with stories of highly classified missions 
that involved long stints behind enemy lines, and even one mm-hmm. story where he had to live in a tree in Hong Kong for a week. Wow. Sounds incredible, literally. And whenever he starts telling her all this stuff, she's like, oh, he's got to be in the CIA. You can't just say things. Right. You can't say things. She doesn't know about lying. (laughs) Right. Never heard of it. And his last effort to clear, to make sure that he cleared all of her suspicions that he wasn't in the CIA, Danny comes up with a plan. He tells her that he's getting ready to lead a top secret CIA mission, and he asks her if she wants to serve her nuke found country. Hmm. She gets very excited and agrees because, <laughs> let me say that again. She thinks she's getting ready to be a part of a CIA mission. Yeah, right. When her dipshit boyfriend calls, her pager says 007. Let me say that again. 007. I feel like if you're in the CIA or the FBI, 007 <laughs> is a common laughing joke at how stupid it is. Gotta be. And anybody that's actually in the CIA would never do this. It's like right. the scout sniper at the bar that was in Special Forces and is telling everybody <laughs> that he's a scout sniper in Special Forces. No, you're not, because you're sitting here talking about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that's an indicator. I, I think anybody who... Especially, it seems like first or well, not all of them. I mean, I could see somebody, you know, bragging about being a fireman. <laughs> Especially in my hometown where they're all volunteer. <laughs> but yeah, the the jobs where there's no way you could talk about uh, top secret stuff. Nah, you're not talking about it. No. A real oh CIA gosh. guy would have told her that he worked at Home Depot. Right. <laughs> And he doesn't have all that much money in his life. Isn't that interesting? Oh, man. And he drives a, an Oldsmobile. Yeah. <laughs> Geo Metro yeah. something. Yeah. Even though he can kill you with a paper clip. <laughs> Danny Lugo tells Sabina. So he said, he lets her know, hey, I need you to come in on this FBI top secret CIA mission. And uh, we got this guy here in, here in Miami. He's a huge tax cheater. He's a scumbag. And he uses immigrant women for sex. He then tells her that the FBI, and that time I wasn't misspeaking, not the CIA. He tells her the FBI had hired him to bring the guy in. And we all know that the FBI and the CIA get along like fucking peanut butter and jelly. They love each other to death. Wow. Well, you know, I do feel like, I feel like this is probably a really common thing. Probably I want to say we're we're out of the woods on this, but I'll bet you a lot. There are a lot of men who lie to their wives about what they do for work or the hours that they work. Y- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, right. yeah. Another trip, honey. Okay, well, good You're going luck. to Colorado, huh? <laughs> um. <laughs> hey, wait a second. <laughs> I saw what you did there. So, uh, Danny Lugo, he tells her. That him and Adrian Dorball, this is the plan. Him and Adrian Dorball, they're going to grab Frank Griega while he's at his mansion in Golden Beach. And that her job, Sabina's job, is to drive Danny's gold Mercedes to the house with them. So she's to trail them. And then when they grab Frank Griega, it's her cue to wait for them to pull that yellow Lamborghini out of the garage. And it's her job to back the gold Mercedes into the garage and close the door. Okay. So what they're doing is they're getting a vehicle ready to throw the kidnap so they can kidnap. And they want to be able to do it in the garage where nobody can see them or anything. 
Yeah. None right. of this, by the way, none of this throwing any red flags to Sabina Petrescu. <laughs> and like uh, I said, Danny told her that when the Mercedes is in the garage, they'll load Frank Riga and his girlfriend, a woman by the name of Christina Furton, while they were both bound and gagged into the trunk. And Sabina, she's like, yes, I would love to serve my country. Yes, this is none of this sounds off. This is good. Oh, look, my pager. 007. <laughs> 007. Oh, no, um, that's a Shrek. I'm dating this guy who is, he actually lives in a swamp, and his best friend's a talking donkey, and he fixed my <laughs> pager to say Shrek when he calls. It's weird because he doesn't actually look like Shrek, and I've never, well, there's not even swamps near here, but he says he lives in a swamp, and he knows a talking donkey, and he's trying to defeat a king named Farqua. <laughs> okay, so... Maybe to her defense, like she thinks he's got a lot of money, right? She does. I mean, and she, to be fair, as far as what she can see, he uh, he does have a lot of money. He does. Like, yeah, he seems credible. So I don't know. Put her in the camp of like mob wives, where they just are like, yeah, I just don't ask questions. Kind of seems but like they're falling for it. I need to reiterate: none of these guys work for the CIA or the FBI operator. <laughs> I get that. I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh man. Now, after Frank Griega and his girlfriend, Christina, are in the back of the gold Mercedes, the plan wasn't revealed to Sabina. They didn't want to know what, what happens from there. The plan on the people that actually know what's going on side is to bring them to the warehouse, torture them, bleed them of all their money, just like they had done Mark Schiller, and then kill them and dump them in the swamp. So from the get-go this time around, murder is on the table. They've already decided this. this one, these two aren't going to get away from this. Murder wasn't like a uh, spur-of-the-moment thing. Yeah. Of course, uh, Sabina Petrescu doesn't doesn't know that part of it because as far as she, concer- she is concerned, all of these meatheads that can't even spell their own names and, and what they can spell has to be written in crown, they're all in the CIA. <laughs> yeah. It's at this time that Danny Lugo, now keep in mind, Adrian Dorball's girlfriend, Beatrice, had arranged a meeting with Danny Lugo and Adrian and Frank Griega because of her connections, mutual connections. Mm-hmm. So Danny Lugo and Adrian Bo- uh, Dorball, they, they set up this meeting with Frank Griega, and uh, that's all under false pretenses. They say they want to pitch a business venture, a business idea. They've got they got an idea so, so, uh, so Frank can make even more money. Mm-hmm. And on May 20th, 1995, Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball, they get all swagged out in dapper suits, and they put on Mark Schiller's Rolex watches and put on some Dapper Dan hair treatment. That was a nod to <laughs> the 90s. Soggy Bottom Boys. Yes. That was a nod to, uh, what was that movie with George Clooney? Oh, Brother, oh, Where Art Thou? Art Thou, yeah. Well, One of the best songs ever made. I don't know why I brought that up. That's so far Love from what's song. going on here. But So uh, these two, Danny Lugo and Adrian Norball, they go and meet with Frank Griega, and they try to start pitching him this business investment opportunity. And at this, Frank was interested. And while they're inside Frank's house going over this business opportunity, Sabina's waiting outside in the car to serve her country. She's waiting for Adrian Dorball to give her the signal by pulling that yellow Lamborghini out. And while she's waiting there for a while, she's like looking at her watch, even though she can't tell time. Well, she's just like watching the numbers change and wondering what they mean. It's like hieroglyphics. <laughs> To her. She just thinks they're pretty. Oh, that one looks like an, an animal. Uh, poor lady. She says she calls for the upside down chair. <laughs> uh, 
she's <laughs> she's sitting outside very discreetly, laying low. Nobody's noticed her. Sitting outside in that gold Mercedes. At least she's not in the grass. <laughs> when Danny and Adrian Dorball, they come running out of the house. They're waving their hands and tell her the plan's canceled. They say that it's, they canceled the plan for tonight because there's, quote, too much activity in the neighborhood to grab him tonight. Unquote. Mm. You know, he's, he's, that sounded so cool in his head. By the way, this is a place where a bunch of people live. I don't know what they were expecting. There's just a guy. There's just a rich guy driving by in a golf cart. They then went back inside. uh, Adrian and and Danny Lugo, they went back inside to Frank's house. They make plans to take Frank and his girlfriend out for dinner in a few nights to talk over this new business venture. Now, off what I think happened, I think that Danny called an audible on the play this night when he saw that Frank Gehrigo was possibly interested in investing in this non-existent business. I think that in his head, they were going to go there, they were going to do this, and he was instantly going to cut him off and be like, no, I'm not interested. But when he started showing interest, I think Danny started seeing another possible uh, venture, right? Yeah. Okay, well, all yeah. we got to do now is make a non-existent business. We just got to print right. out some papers and do some fancy, and we can scam this guy. Maybe we don't have to murder him. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why he called the audible. Now, the new plan... The new plan was to take the couple, Frank and his girlfriend Christina, out for steak and booze and then bring them back to Sabina Petrescu's apartment for cocktails. So Sabina, once again, they're going to bring them to her apartment. Sabina's top secret CIA job this time around was to befriend and distract Christina, Frank's girlfriend, so that Danny Lugo could lure Frank Riga away to another room so they could, quote, talk business. Mm. Now, Sabina, once again, excitedly agrees to this CIA job, um, probably while sitting in a bathtub and laughing at her own farts <laughs> because she has the IQ of a banny rooster with developmental delay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm going so hard on Sabina. I think just because I think it's funny. There's a bunch of meathead idiot serial killer murderers. <laughs> And I'm going after Sabina Petrescu. Well, I think the, pod- it's, the kind of podcast this is. She's she's sort of a, a will an able target because she's not a victim necessarily. No. You know, she's helping murderers. Yeah, so but she thinks she's helping her country. Swing away, I say. Oh, man. We are now at Wednesday, May 24th, 1995, off the day of the murders. Sabina Petrescu kisses 007 goodbye and then watches Foghorn Leghorn leave with Henry Hawk. <laughs> and that's what these two remind me of. You remember Foghorn Leghorn? I say, I say, I do say. Yeah. Big barrel chested muscular cock. <laughs> You're not kidding. And then Henry Hawk was the little chicken that always ran around with him, right? It was his little... Yeah, the little one. Yeah. So Adrian Dorball is Henry Hawk because he was short. (laughs) But they're both meatheads on steroids, right? So it's like Foghorn Leghorn with Henry Hawk walking along beside him. (sighs) Before they left, Sabina also let him know she would be there waiting for them so she could serve her country. (laughs) I just love that every time she... Thinks she's doing that. Oh, man. Now, Frank and Christina, meanwhile, they're dripped out. I just learned that term from my 14-year-old. <laughs> it's one I wish I didn't know. Dripped out? Yeah. Dripped out means you're fly. You're fly mm-hmm. for a white guy. You're groovy. 
your uh, mm. happening with your clothing attire. Mm-hmm. That's what dripped out means. And, yeah. and Christina, Frank Riga's wife, our girlfriend, she was rocking a red leather dress with a jacket, and Frank was in his jeans and cowboy boots. So Christina went with the thriller look while Frank went kind of Dwight Yoakam. Naturally, because it's Miami. Danny and Adrian, Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball, then went over to Frank and Griega's house, and they started pre-gaming. Some pre- and I know you don't know what pre-gaming is. You don't drink. Pre-gaming is, like, is when you drink before you go out to drink. Like a pre-funk. Pre-function. So, no, not like that, but mm. it's like drinking before you go out to drink. Oh, different. Okay. It's like, hey, we're going to go out to drink. You want to drink a little bit first? <laughs> That's what pre-gaming is. So weird. To me, like, in my world, that's like, hey, do you want to go get some McDonald's? Let's eat first. And that's what got me where I'm at. (laughs) I'll eat a whole bag of Doritos while standing in the kitchen trying to figure out what I want to cook. Do you ever have this? Do you ever have it where you know a meal is coming, but you eat a whole meal and then you sit down and you eat a whole meal and you're actually impressed with yourself because visually no one knows that you've already eaten the whole meal, but you're eating another meal. So I have done that, but what's going on internally in my head <laughs> is different than you. Okay. I'm not feeling any any bit of pride, uh, just a lot of shame and guilt and disgust <laughs> with myself. Yeah. Uh, before we start recording, I told you that I've gained like 60 pounds since we started recording TCK, yeah. and that I didn't realize it until recently, but I'm basically no different than Nakato Avocado. The only <laughs> difference is I haven't recorded my descent into morbid obesity the way he has, and also I don't suck dicks. Oh, yeah, but that's a different... He likes sucking dicks. I don't have a problem with sucking dicks. I'm not, like, staunch against it. I'm just not into it for me. Like, if you want to suck dicks, I'm all for it. Choke yeah. on dicks one after yeah. the other. Go right. into a dick forest and just grab all of them. But Probably for me don't. personally, I'm not like all for it. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Not even near. I mean, I might suck a dick. I don't know. But anyways. <laughs> so they're pre-gaming here at Frank Griega's house, which is drinking before you go out to go drink. Yep. And uh, while they're doing that, Frank Griega starts getting giving Danny and Adrian a tour of his place. This $700,000 mansion with marble floors. There's probably a picture of Al Pacino in the breezeway. Yeah. I would imagine. And a lot of, like, Ferraris. Pictures of Ferraris and Lamborghinis hanging up. Yeah. Probably, like, in one corner there's a picture of that cat, that kitten on the wire. <laughs> hanging in there. Hanging on. Hang in there. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there, cat. Yeah, d- did you have a picture of a Lamborghini on your, like a poster of a Lamborghini? I think I did, and I think I got it from a Scholastic yeah, book fair. Yeah, that's where I always got mine. And the sad thing was yeah. they were always folded. And so when you put them on your wall, yeah, they had big creases. creases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. terrible. Yep, you ordered it out of the Ranger Rick catalog or something, and Scholastic book Man, fair. I also had a, uh, a big poster of Kathy Ireland in a bathing suit. Yeah, That right. I won at the county fair. By throwing uh, darts at balloons. <laughs> and that was the centerpiece of my bedroom. I was so proud of that Kathy Ireland poster. I had M.C. Escher's paint uh, drawings framed all over my room. <laughs> you were four. <laughs> and I had a framed poster of Anthrax album cover because I won at that at my fair. And it was cool, I thought, so I put it up. It didn't really go with my Eschers, 
uh, and your picture of Einstein with the crazy hair and his tongue out. <laughs> it's pretty close. You're pretty bundled close. up in your dad's Harvard sweater. <laughs> Reading V.C. Andrews. Maybe. Just maybe. So they're pre-gaming. They're getting a tour. Adrian and, and Danny Lugo here. They're getting a tour of this house. They're drinking. They're having a good time. And it's at this point, when they're still all hanging out at Frank Riga's house, that a friend of Frank and Christina's, her name was Judy, she stopped by to see if they, the couple would possibly in, be interested in joining her and her husband for dinner. But she saw that, you know, Frank had company, these two big oxes with DS, these two DS oxes. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> she sees these two meatheads in boxy suits. And every time you, you ever see a meathead in a suit, it yeah, always, always looks ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I always think their arms can't go down further, but then you put them in a suit, and they also can't go back. So they're, like, locked out and forward. They're, like, the dumbest well, it, it pose. It also seems like they don't ever get them tailored. Yeah. So the, the top at the shoulders, right, they're five foot wide, but it doesn't ever <laughs> bevel out as you go down. <laughs> so they just end up looking like a Spider-Man villain from the animated universe. <laughs> Little yeah. bitty head. <laughs> they look like... You ever see Puppet Master? Uh, no, I don't think so. So she sees these two meatheads here in the living room. <laughs> no reason in carrying that conversation any further then. Um, and she recognizes Danny Lugo. Danny Lugo sees her too. Oh. And he knows that she knows him. This will be important later. Okay. <laughs> this is going to come back to bite him. I can tell by your by your emphasis that it's important, so I'm I'm leaning into it. Yeah. <laughs> Should have occurred to Danny Lugo, right? Never <laughs> crossed his mind. That's such a short jump from ear to ear for him. Just <laughs> no obstructions. Just that thought in one ear and out the other. Hey, I've just been placed at what I think will be the scene of the crime. Moments for death. <laughs> we better continue with the plan. <laughs> yeah. So Judy leaves. Her and her husband, they go out. They have dinner. And Danny Lugo, Adrian Dorball, Frank Riga, and his girlfriend, Christina Furton, they go out on town. They leave out for the town. They leave about 1030 and around 11 p.m. The group arrives at Shula's Steakhouse in Miami Lakes at 7601 Miami Lakes Drive. But unfortunately for them, and it had already closed. It closed at 10 o'clock that night. This was almost 11 p.m. Oh, And for those of you that don't know, Shula's is a high-end franchise restaurant. And this particular restaurant at 7601 Miami Lakes Drive just recently closed in 2020, another casualty of COVID. Oh, sad. So sad. Now, Danny, always wanted to call an audible on the play, ready to improvise at any given moment. Steakhouse is closed. It's getting late. Instead of He, he decides, instead of bringing the, gr- the group back to Sabina's apartment and doing the hit there... He brings the party to Adrian Dorball's apartment in Miami Lakes. And it was just right across the road. Almost, well, not like right across, but super close. Within walking distance of uh, Shula Steakhouse. So they just hop and skip on over to Adrian Dorball's apartment. When they get inside, Danny starts distracting Christina. He's showing her around the place, specifically the living room TV. 
um, with his money. Adrian Dorabal had purchased this big, lavish, big screen TV. And you know how TVs were in the 90s. If you had a 20-inch television, it weighed 700 pounds. It was like somehow they had captured a fucking black hole and put one inside every TV. <laughs> so imagine a 50-inch 1990s TV. You had to bring, They had to put it in with a forklift and a crane. I've moved several of those. Yeah, there. I, I, I. This is a funny story. Really quick. I had a jockey as a friend. He was from South Africa. Lived in my town, and made a lot of money. Not off jockeying. He fell through a, a manufactured uh, door on top of a roof oh, while he was on the job, and he made like a million and a half off the lawsuit. Uh, and he didn't know how to save his money. So, and also any furniture store you took him into, he went straight to like the golden giraffes and the animal prints. It was mm. really gross. So I went with him one time when he bought pretty much the whole furniture store plus one of those TVs. I had to help him put it all all in in his house. Now, while Danny is showing Christina this big screen TV, Adrian Dorball takes Frank Griga to the back room there in the apartment to discuss, quote, business. And while Danny Lugo is standing there with Christina, after a few moments, they hear fighting back there. Christina freaks out, runs down the hallway to the back room with Danny right behind her. Once she gets to the doorway, she stops just in time to witness Adrian Dorball wrap a very bloody Frank Griga up in a chokehold. As she's standing there, kind of witnessing this, she's screaming. Danny Lugo comes up behind Christina and wraps his callousy, gross banana fingers around Christina's mouth. Meanwhile, Adrian Dorball is literally strangling, strangling Frank Griga to death. And he does. He strangles Frank Griga to death right there. Wow. After Griga was dead, Adrian George joins Danny with Christina, and together they bound her ankles, her hands, and they blindfold her with a black hood as she's laying there bound but with her hands are bound to her ankles Danny Lugo takes a needle and sticks her with it and inside that needle was animal tranquilizer called Rompun and uh, when she gets this she drifts off into sleep pretty quickly yeah uh. there was a plan though op this wasn't the plan the big part of the plan involved Frank Griga giving them a bunch of information first and then killing him. Hmm. They needed information. They needed bank account information, social security numbers, birth dates, uh, pin codes, a bunch of stuff. But they had accidentally, uh, Lenny here accidentally killed Frank before they could get all this stuff. <laughs> Pretty common mistake for idiots, especially when they're both cavemen. And I would like to be a fly on the wall for Danny Lugo to explain this plan to, to Doorball here, Adrian Doorball, Lenny. And it probably sounded something like this. I want to I I go over him trying to explain. This is cavemen planning a murder, right? Yes. Danny, he's like, oh, well, here, plan. We no kill couple. We take couple. We bring them here. We hit them with a rock. They give us numbers. Then we kill. We hide body and we rich. And then Adrian, he starts grunting and he's hopping up and down with his knuckles on the floor. And he's like, I got it. We kill. We get information. And Danny's like, no, 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 no. We kidnap first. Kidnap first. Then information. Then kill. And Adrian's like, oh, which part come first again? And Danny's like, kidnap. Kidnap first. And Adrian's like, 
He's like looking down, shaking his head. <coughs> and quietly, he's like, oh, I hope I don't kill first. This confusing. <laughs> uh, they kind of sound like Russian cavemen, too. That's fun. I think I'm allowed to do that right now. Yeah, you are. You because are. of the Ukraine thing? Yep, you are. Yeah. Yep. Fair game. <clears throat> that like slayed my throat for some reason with a Russian. Mm. So anyways, George and Lenny from Mice and Men here, they now have a dead body on their hands with no way to benefit from it whatsoever. It's at this point that they realize that Christina Furton over there, even though she's bound, gagged, and blindfolded, is still alive. And maybe she would have the information that they needed. They had used horse tranquilizer, though, up, and this is a rather petite, smaller woman. She was in a very, very deep sleep. Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't die. Right? Dang. Where do you think this goes? You think she pulls through? Well, because because you've <laughs> strictly off of the basis that you you haven't like held back on talking about her, I'm guessing she pulls through. That I haven't held back on talking about her? That you've been okay ta- insulting her. That, I'm talking about probably- Christina. Oh. Not Sabina. Oh. You're, you're confusing Christina with Sabina. Two. Sabina Petrescu is the girlfriend of, of right, Danny Lugo. Right, right, right. Yes. Christina no, Furton is the the girlfriend of our victim, Frank Griga, and a victim herself. I, I got the Enas confused. Yeah. Um, okay. Horse tranquilizer, she's not very big. I'm guessing she dies because I think you die when that happens. Oh, you can read between the lines. Yeah, yes. I guess. Now, realizing, like I said, they're trying to get information out of her. But she's just no use whatsoever. They hit her with horse tranquilizer. They then stuff Frank Riga inside a sofa. How? I don't know. I haven't figured this out. I'm guessing it was a fold-out sofa of some kind. But even then, the, the fold-out sofa, everyone that I've ever had anything to do with, the, uh, the, the, the underside of it is like the engine bay of a Ford Probe. There is little room <laughs> For much of anything in there after you get that that, that bed in there. How you yeah. could fit a full-grown man in cowboy boots and Lee dungarees, mind you, <laughs> inside a folded-up sofa. I don't know, but they pulled it off. It's amazing. They then put Christina Furton, while she's heavily drugged with these horse tranquilizers, into a cardboard box and left. Now, their plan was to come back the next morning and take care of it. Like, ah, oh, fuck. We kill. We kill. I say kidnap, we kill. <laughs> I get confused, boss. I saw we. No, we'll figure it out in the morning. Let's go get him. <sighs> Let's go get some sleep. And Sabina Petrescu on trial said that, uh, by the way, she had fallen asleep on her top secret mission. She was to stay up until they got mm-hmm. back. When he got there, she was dead asleep. Okay. Sabina's the one that I've been making fun of the whole time. Sabina Petrescu. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking now. She did wake up in the middle of the night, to, not, though, to Danny Lugo sitting on the ed- edge of the bed, drinking booze and crying. When she asked him what was wrong, he told her, quote, it all went wrong. Doorball went nuts and did something crazy, unquote. And upon this, Sabina Petrescu began to console 007. Mm-hmm. Probably by offering him one of her lollipop sticks. See, she, she liked to do this thing where she would sit two popsicles out on the nightstand every night. So that she could enjoy them in the morning. Wait a second. But always, every time she would wake up and there would just be two popsicle sticks. <laughs> she never understood why. <laughs> she believed in what they called a popsicle fairy. 
You gotta be lying. She thought she would put the popsicles on the on the on the side on the side table, and she'd be like, "I'm gonna enjoy these so much in the morning." Then she would wake up, and they would be gone every time. Ugh. And she believed in the popsicle fairy. Danny Lugo hated talking about the popsicle fairy. <laughs> he, he wasn't an idiot, right? He didn't understand why the popsicles were gone off the nightstand in the morning either. <laughs> But he also knew that fairies only existed in tennis. There's no way. I, I made all that up with a popsicle okay. fairy. I'll be honest. i got to come clean. She probably doesn't understand things melting, though. That probably would probably, blow her fucking yeah, mind. Probably not. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, my goodness. On Friday, May 26, 1995, this is the next morning, after killing Frank Griga and inebriating Christina Furton, Danny Lugo, he calls Jorge Delgado that morning, the third gang member here who has up until this point been relatively uninvolved and he mm. fills him in on what had happened the night before after hanging up danny lugo and jorge delgado rush to adrian dorball's apartment and it's there that they happily discover christina still breathing mm. after being nudged a bit christina wakes up but unfortunately op the last thing she remembered before going unconscious was seeing her husband being choked to death so she raised a little bit of a ruckus. Yeah, I would. They, she, I understand that. Right. In a panic, Danny Lugo then hit her with another dose, dose of the horse tranquilizer. Man, come on, dude. It basically just chilled her out a little bit and made her super confused and sloppy. Basically, Sabina Petrescu's entire existence. <laughs> I don't even see your humor coming most of the time. It just kind of comes right around the corner and punches me in the nose. <laughs> which is how uh. Sabina Petrescu felt every time she learned something, which was every second of every day. <laughs> oh, man. She's still, to this day, laying popsicles on her nightstand <laughs> and trying to figure out where they go in the morning. And she also hates ants, and it seems like the Lord knows it, and he just sends ants to her nightstand every morning. <laughs> Bless her The heart. world is a confusing place for Sabina Petrescu. Oh, man. When Lugo asked for the alarm code, so they're shaking, right? They're shaking Christina. When he asked for the alarm code to Frank Griga's house, now this is Christina, not Sabina. Not Sabina. This is the victim. I'm tracking. Christina. Right. Okay. They're shaking her, asking for the alarm code to Frank Griga's house. She just mumbles some numbers, and then she asks for Frank. Frank Griga's dead. He has been dead at this point for about 12 hours. Danny Lugo, he writes down the numbers that she gave, and then hops in his car and speeds to Frank's house and tries them out. But they didn't work. Of course they didn't work. This woman is highly intoxicated on horse tranquilizers, something meant for a, a I don't know, a 1,200-pound animal. How much does a horse weigh? Oh, uh, Yeah. That much. That's what I figured. About 1,200 pounds. Yeah. He then gets a, finds a payphone and calls Adrian Dorball and yells, quote, the fucking number is wrong. Get her to give you the right one now, unquote. And then Lenny here, Adrian Dorball, runs to the bathroom where they had Christina tied up, ready to berate her, this highly drugged woman, just with more questions. She doesn't even know what's going on. And when he gets there, though... Christina Furtenop is dead. She had been Duh. dead for, for a while because he, she was cold to the touch. Mm. When he got back to the phone, he yelled at Danny Flugo, quote, Ah, Danny, the bitch is cold. 
unquote. It's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Lenny strikes again is what George Danny Lugo is probably thinking. <laughs> Going to have to take him down to the creek and make him look at the pretty flowers when I get back. <laughs> Uh, Meanwhile, Sabina Petrescu is back at home fingering her belly button with a Cheeto. <laughs> she called it her tummy mouth. And watching Mr. Rogers. <laughs> now, at this point, up, why, why is she dead, right, Christina? Why is she dead? It's because Christina Furton, uh, over the past 12 hours, had been given enough tranquilizer to kill a literal elephant. This is like a hundred and thirty pound. <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing. One petite little woman. Yeah. And the Sun Jim gang now had two dead bodies with zero of the information that they needed. None. Op. No information. These two people died for nothing because they can't yeah, even get the money yeah. out of them now. They did, did the, it wrong. Did yes. The order oh wrong. fuck! I forgot. Did it wrong. Kidnap and then kill. It was then kill, not kill first. Oh. <laughs> I'm so confused. I even write it on my hand, but I can't read. They spend the next few days pondering while Frank and Christina decomposed in Dorball's house. Jeez. Oh, Adrian Dorball on like day three. He's like looking at Danny Lugo and he's like, say, Danny, if they're dead, then why is they turning them strange colors? Yeah. Also, that's one thing. I, like if you hang out in the house with dead bodies, like do you get used to the smell that starts creeping in or, you know? Gotta stink. The decomposition, though, eventually did get bad enough that they had to make a move, and they had to do one fast. So they come up with a plan. Jorge Delgado leaves. He goes and gets a U-Haul van. Meanwhile, Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball head to Home Depot. And at Home Depot, Danny, Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball, they buy, here we go, you ready? Yeah. Trash bags. <laughs> The starter goggles. Kit. The starter kit. They bought. The- I'm being serious. They buy all this stuff: trash bags, goggles, gloves, a fire extinguisher, cleaning supplies, fans, shop towels, a security grate for a window, and a chainsaw. Oh my gosh! And two lollipops for Sabina Petrescu. She usually swallows the first one out of excitement on accident whole. So they have to get her the second one because she's crying. I'm like, oh, shit. Imagine you're a cashier at Home Depot in Miami, Florida, op, in the mid-90s. Yeah. And two meatheads buy all this shit from you. Now, keep in mind, this is right at the end of the reign of Pablo Escobar. Right. And these are two dark, muscular fellas. Ugh. Yeah. That home, that home Depot, probably super sweet. Like the most non-racist person ever. He just thought like, <laughs> these two dark muscular fellows sure do have a lot of lawn work to take care of. <laughs> Their total at Home Depot that day, this is true, $666. No. <laughs> this is true. That's true. What? Another fun fact op. Guess uh, what they did? What? They charged that $666. <laughs> <laughs> to Adrian Dorball's personal credit card. Oh my gosh. Oh, jeez. What's wrong with them? Meanwhile, because Frank Griga and Christina have been dead a few days at this point. Meanwhile, people are noticing that Frank Griga and Christina are missing. Because this is a, a, a an affluential couple 
in Miami. Yeah. He's a businessman. He's got contacts. He's got meetings. Cocaine to buy. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. Normal wheelings and dealings. Yeah. So they all meet back up at the uh, at Adrian Dorball's apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jorge Delgado. He's got the U-Haul. They've got all this stuff that they got at Home Depot. They then pack the couch that has Frank Griega inside it into the U-Haul van. And they also put Christina in a big cardboard box with packing peanuts and put her in as well. And then they bring inside the U-Haul van the two corpses to their little warehouse that they had rented in Hialeah, which is a city in Miami. Hialeah? Hialeah? How's it spelled? Hialeah? H-I-A-L-E-A-H. Hialeah? Hialeah, maybe? Hialeah? 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 That's where their warehouse was. Okay. And it's, I know it's a city in inside Miami. Yeah. Once inside the warehouse, they pull Frank out of the couch. They pull Christina out of that big cardboard box. They strip the bodies down, and then they cover them in Windex and wipe the bodies down in Windex. Why? And I like to think, I love to think up that they did this because in their heads, Windex takes fingerprints off glass. <laughs> you are probably completely correct. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are you're correct. Oh my goodness, they are that stupid. They then this is true. Uh, spend the next hour trying to put together the chainsaw they had bought at Home Depot. <laughs> I just love Imagine them sitting around there together, just scratching the thin skin pulled tightly over their very thick skulls. Doorball, he's holding the directions upside down. <laughs> They've got the pieces of the chainsaw spread out on the floor, and Danny Lou goes hopping around on all fours with a screwdriver, poking him <laughs> with a flat. He's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> They finally, after an hour, they get the chainsaw together. And finally, after an hour, they add gas. And finally, after an hour and a bunch of pulling the string, it's a pull start. They get it started, mm. but they didn't put any oil in it. Yeah. And just minutes after firing it up, completely blew the engine Cooked and it. seized it up entirely. Oh, dang it. I mean, uh, I don't know this whose side I'm on anymore. Danny Lugo then neatly packs the chainsaw back up into the Home Depot box <laughs> and goes back to Home Deto- De- Depot to exchange it. <laughs> Really? Yes. And they took it? Yeah, they took it. Then he brings the new <laughs> chainsaw back to the warehouse, has to put it together, and then they get to work. But Christina had this long, beautiful, flowing hair, and it kept jamming the chainsaw. Oh, jeez. Oh, Eventually, halfway through cutting Christina's head off, Danny says, fuck it, and pitches it to the side because the hair kept getting caught in the uh, teeth of the chainsaw and, and wrapping up and, and bogging it down. Ugh. Then the two cavemen switch to the tools of their elders and pick up a hatchet. Simple tools. Oh, they then proceeded with the hatchet to knock out Frank Riga and Christina Furton's teeth. They also cut their faces off their, and dismembered each body into ten pieces. In a burn barrel, they burned the teeth, the faces the feet, and the hands in a metal 55-gallon drum. And they were hoping to prevent identification with this. Yeah, I was trying to think what's left. I mean, that's pretty good. All that's really left is a portion of the head, the skull, really, the torso, 
the arms down to the wrist and the legs down to the ankle. Yeah. But they're all yeah, cut so, up in, in pieces. I mean, other than DNA, they, they, did, they did that part okay. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. back at Sabina Petrescu's apartment, she's eating cut up hot dogs with ketchup. And while <laughs> making them, she accidentally gets poop in the fridge. She calls hot dogs and ketchups doggies and red stuff. And it's her favorite meal aside from drywall. Danny Lugo is used to getting poop in the fridge, though, because sometimes he confuses the vegetable storage bin for the potty and accidentally gets poop in the fridge as well. Sabina then yells at him to stop butt-spitting on her colory water foods. (laughs) That's what she calls vegetables, colory water foods. While you're writing this, do you ever just giggle? (laughs) (laughs) Colory water foods. Colory water foods. That's a vegetable. Just tell me that's not a good description of a vegetable. That is. like a, That's a celery right there. That's what that or a watermelon. Danny Lugo <laughs> stops when Sabina yells at him, and then he goes outside and poops in a fern like a proper, proper cake. <laughs> the remains of Frank Griga and Christina Furton were then placed into several separate buckets and three 55-gallon steel drums and dumped in a shallow canal in South Dade along Southwest 240th Street. Now, at some point up in this dismemberment and discarding process, Adrian Dorball took time to go marry his girlfriend at the courthouse, who also, by the way, thought that he was a CIA operative. Uh. Now, this isn't the same one, Beatrice. She had uh, she had broken up with him after several failed sexual encounters of him never being able to get hard. She also kind of realizing he was full of shit. This is some other random girl. But he convinced her he was a CIA operative. Well. And uh, at one point, actually, this new girl, this girl that he married, who thought that Adrian was also a CIA operative, went and bought cookies in this dismemberment process and paint during the cleanup process for Adrian Dorball because he had enlisted her to help in a, quote, covert operation. Mm -hmm. So (sighs) they've dumped the bodies in several different 55-gallon steel drums in this canal, and they also uh, dropped a yellow Lamborghini off in the woods. And on Saturday, May 27th, 1995, three days after Frank Griega and Christina were murdered, an off-duty cop discovers Frank Griega's yellow Lamborghini abandoned in the woods near Chrome Avenue and US-27. So they just kind of took it to the woods and left it. The Lamborghini, not a lot, not some heavy police work going on here. The Lamborghini is then traced back to Frank Griega. Frank Griega is found to be missing, along with his girlfriend, Christina Furton. And then, hey, remember Judy, the friend that dropped in on them while they were, before they got ready to go out and while they were pre-gaming, drinking before drinking? Yes. Turns out she steps forward and says she had saw two men at their house the night they disappeared. By the way, one of them was Danny Lugo. Know him by name. He looked me in the eyes. Evidence is found basically everywhere. Evidence is found everywhere. The tower falls pretty quickly from here. Hang on, hang on. You mean there was evidence that was found to be, even though they had windexed the bodies? There was. (laughs) I know, right? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Uh, This Uh. falls pretty quickly, all this. And the Sun Jim gang start crumbling, and and it's pretty, it's not hard police work from here. This is true, Op, what I'm getting ready to say. Sabina Petrescu took over an hour of convincing by police officers that Danny Lugo wasn't in the CIA. 
That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even... Like you said, she's, she swallows pops, lollipops whole. So On June 10th, 1995, op, Danny Lugo takes investigators to the oil drums that they had dumped in the canal and shows them where the bodies of Frank and Christina are. It ended, they ended up having to identify Christina Fern's body by her breast implant numbers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And these are 1990s implants. Yeah. Right. You remember the 90s implants? They always look just like softballs sitting on top of a rib cage. Yep. Yep. I feel like the implants now, that girls get now, look more natural. Well, they've also figured some things out. Like um, people that I know that have gotten them in recent years, they're told, I think the insert is placed in a different part underneath the, the tissue. Yeah. And then they're told to, even though it's very painful for most to massage them regularly after after getting them because otherwise there's separation between the natural tissue and the implant. Yeah. But by massaging them they continue to they they like they I don't know, don't don't separate like they're like that and so hard to know how to explain things when I have images turned off in Google images. Listen, I just know this. My wife says she hates her boobs. My my wife has great a great chest because when she lays on her back, they go to the sides a little bit. Mm. And I'm Those thinking, are natural, you mean the right? way that boobs are supposed to? Yeah, exactly. They're not yeah. supposed to. It's not natural for you to lay on your back and for them to just stay sitting there like softballs. Right. That's not natural. No. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Not unattractive if they do that, but. Um, yeah, not natural. They're supposed to roll off to the sides, ladies. And that's sexy. It's true. Yeah. And you're perfect the way you are. February 24th, 1998, <laughs> up, almost two and a half years later, the gang goes to court in a two-month court case. Mark Schiller, our victim from our first uh, part, part one, even shows up and takes the stand. And he was looking them right in the eyes. He, he wasn't afraid at all now. Uh, mm. Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorbal were both sentenced to death, and they are both still in prison to this day, getting pumped in a completely different way. <laughs> I know what you mean. I mean, but fucking. Three regular meals. Oh, I thought you were talking about. But fucking. Regular, regular meals. I was talking about but fucking. <sighs> I don't. Don't think they let you do that in prison. John Meese got 56 years, who is the owner of the Sun Gym. Remember, he was the one that also falsified, falsified a lot of the documents with his uh, notary stamp. Yes. Uh, John Meese died in prison of a stroke in 2004. Jorge Delgado got 20 years, and he was released February 27, 2002, after just seven years. Um, as far as Sabina Petrescu uh, got caught up in several pyramid schemes. Over the next... <laughs> really? I don't know. I'm just assuming. <laughs> Making assumptions. On, um, uh. <laughs> and unfortunately, in 2009, she accidentally dropped a perfume bottle into a swimming pool at a Hyatt and uh, got down to the bottom to retrieve it. And she always loved smelling a perfume bottle when she picked it up and drowned <laughs> at the bottom of the pool in a Hyatt hotel. Um, and, and may God rest her soul. 
Hopefully she's getting pyramid schemed in heaven somewhere. <laughs> I think Sabina Petrescu is, is alive and well. She uh, uh, she's turned state's witness and didn't get any time and is still alive well, to this day. And maybe she's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, bless her heart. She's probably got a Paw Patrol headset on. <laughs> They've told her she's part of the CIA, and she just has to make sure she keeps batteries in it just in case there's messages that come through. Oh, jeez. She'll do anything as long as you tell her she's serving her country. And that's she how should they've avoid got her to stay at McDonald's for the past 26 years. Oh, shoot. Well, that's it, Op. Wow. Jorge Delgado, uh, he, he, you know, he got 20 years, got out in 2002, and Danny Lugo and Adrian Dorball go, both got the death sentence, and they're still in prison to this day. So, last question that I'll ask or answer is, what did mm. the movie Pain and Gain get wrong? Yeah. Or, is it, or is it even worth watching? So, Pain and Gain is the movie that was based on this story. It stars Mark, Mark Wahlberg as, as, as Danny Lugo, uh, Anthony Mackie, as Adrian Dorabal, and then The Rock fills in all the rest of the characters. The Rock's character is a made-up character that kind of takes on certain aspects of all the char- the, the remaining characters. Oh, I, so he's one character in the movie. He's not playing multiple he's not, he roles. Doesn't have multiple, they, it's not like split. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the, the Rock really, I don't know if he could pull that off. The Rock doesn't try to cut off the head and then stand up and go, Patricia did that. <laughs> no, he's playing. Okay. He's an amalgamation of a bunch of characters from the okay. real story. Um, for uh, example, Carl Weeks, if you remember, was the religious one that tried to help Mark Schiller um, whenever they had <clears> him in the warehouse. Not helping by letting him loose, but giving him water and food. Um, that's the Rock's character, mainly Carl mm. Carl Me- Weeks. That's that's who, mainly who he is. Uh, pain and gain. What did they get wrong in this movie? First off, it is worth watching. It's entertaining. It's funny. Mark Wahlberg, middle-aged white guy. You know, Danny Lugo was uh, darker-complected, not a white guy, so that's wrong. Then you got Anthony Mackie, who's playing Adrian Dorball. Anthony Mackie, black guy. Adrian Dorball, not a black guy. Mm. And then you've got The Rock playing mainly the character of, of, of Carl Weeks, but the Rock is nine foot seven and five hundred pounds. Carl Weeks was a weak little crackhead, and he was black. And I, I know people say the Rock is black, but is he? Yeah, yeah. I can. Uh, well, what they did there is they made a uh, character soup enough that it made whether you're all for the the, the gender mix ups and the race mix ups that happen in movies now, or you're against it. Everyone's head spinning, so they don't really. Nobody, everybody feels fine about it. Now, they did, uh, they got a lot of stuff right in the movie. They maybe made it too uh, comical at certain points. um, But, I mean, basically, um, what they do with Mark Schiller, the character played by um, Tony Shalhoub, is, is for the, I mean, it's close enough. You know, they took a lot more liberties with the murder of Frank Griga and his girlfriend there. So um, liberties meaning that they that they in the movie they cave Frank Riga's head in with a with a dumbbell. Oh, and in the movie they kind of make they kind of make Christina out to be kind of this like 
hoish type character, which is an interesting take to put on mm. a movie based on a real crime. Kind of a ratchet. Yes. Is she a ratchet? What's a ratchet? The reason she's distracted in the movie is because she's she's uh, flirting and fucking around with The Rock and Anthony Mackie's character. Oh, I see. Okay. So overall, I would say Pain and Gain but, got it 60% right. But but it worth but worth, worth watching. watching. Worth watching. All right. It'll give you a good I'm idea of the down. story. Pain and Gain. Got it. I'm going to watch it now that I know the backstory. That's fun. And that is the story op of the Sun Jim Gang. And that's all I've got. And you can leave now and, and, and goodbye. Um, I have a question for you. What? I don't. I didn't want to bring this up on the show, but your podcast here is getting more popular. Yeah. And because of that, one of the one of the things that happens when the podcast gets more popular is people more. What happens scientifically is more people listen, mm. and more people want to support the show. Right. And for the first time ever, we've actually got some exit interviews on Patreon that say, was disappointed because there's not enough true crime Kent, which is a compliment on their way out. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would bring this up in an open <laughs> forum, just you and me talking. Right. Just so people could know, how how often do you think True Crime Kent should be expected? I want to set a realist. We're all about deadlines here. In an ideal world, bi-weekly. <clears throat> I know okay. there's been a bit of a hiatus between uh, you know this episode and I think the last one was Catherine Knott's. I don't intend on that happening again. Well, those are heavy. Those are heavy lifting. And, and it's important to note that when you have a two-parter, consider the fact that twice the amount of research is being done, but you're doing twice the amount of research in a one-and-done effort. So it's like doing twice the podcast in one sitting of research, which yes. takes longer. And uh, no, all the episodes from here on out are not going to be two-parters. Right, right. Also... Question: If you and your heart and you know what, I'm going to clap this just in case you don't want to keep it in. If you and your heart spirit wanted to ever create extra content for True Crime Kent, what would your heart spirit want to do? Good question. Uh, you mean like for Patreon? Or yeah, I mean yeah, just if. People wanted to fi- have more true crime Kent to listen to, and 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 you and I could pull it off because we've shown that we can. We've got we span the gamut, right? We can do. We proven we can do daily show. Right. We proven that we can do long form. Mm-hmm. Where does your heart spirit land when it when you think about doing extra stuff? So for it could, like I can't devote, you know, with the daily show mm-hmm. that we do every day. Is what daily means. That's every day, yeah. aside from Wednesday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the major holidays. And today. And today. <laughs> but it's most daily, Monday Oof. through Friday. Mm-hmm. With that, and with TCK, also help with you know Jack over there on the uh, Dark yeah, Oh, that's Patreon. right. Mm-hmm. I think that the most that I could subs- that I could sign on to doing extra for TCK would be like a monthly mini-sode. Of TCK, which Ooh. is covering a case where maybe there's not enough there to do a full TCK on, but it's interesting enough that we can talk about it for 30 
maybe 45 minutes and yeah. uh, make it like a TCK mini. I also I like still that. enjoy, I, and I still plan on doing it, and I've done a few of them. They're on public. The TCK interviews, where I just talk with the creator that I love, that I enjoy. Deadbug has been on there. Patrick Gavia has been on there. I've, I've done a few of them. Mm-hmm. The people that make yeah. content that I like. And, I like uh, that. and introducing the world to these people. So those are two things that I would like to do more of or, or, and, or start doing with the mini-sode is the TCK mini-sode and also more of the interviews. I like that. Is there anybody else from a creator standpoint that, that you, you in your heart, spirit, bucket list would love to have as an interview sometime? Bucket list? Yeah. Like Didn't going crazy. If... Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like getting way out there. Like, like the owner of a podcast production company that I would love you know. to be able to well, talk to Chris Schrader from Hey Do You Remember. So these are probably my big ones. Chris Schrader from yeah. Hey Do You Remember. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have never even heard of that podcast. It was my favorite podcast for many years and still would be to this day if they hadn't closed shop. They uh, wrapped it up and called it quits on it. And they have been doing it for like six years, so I get it. But that was my favorite podcast ever, and I love Chris Schrader's storytelling. That's one of my white whales. Another one is Marcus Parks from last podcast on the left. Okay. I love Marcus Parks. I think he's got a great voice. He's a great storyteller, amazing researcher. I love me some Marcus Parks. Um, okay. And probably Meat Canyon. What is Meat Canyon? He's an artist on YouTube that makes cartoons that are the so disturbing. Oh, and, fun. and so funny. Oh, look he's that a, He's a comedian slash cartoonist, and he's got a YouTube channel, Meat Canyon. So funny and so twisted and just disturbing and ugh. Fun. <clears throat> Check that um, out. The charismatic voice. Oh, yeah, the singing lady that you I mentioned. would love to talk to her. Yeah. I listen. I watch her videos a lot. Yeah. Do you know any like? Do you anybody? Do you know anybody that like owns a podcast production company that like maybe has several podcasts that would be really interesting to talk about? That like they just do just have a lot of podcasts that they're trying to get off the ground and. I don't know anybody like that. It's really pretty inspiring. Nope. Not ringing any bells. Pay they pay they pay they pay. Do they pay well? Um, I'm a thirteen dollar. Yeah, that's not bad. Here, Patreon. I'm on Patreon. Oh, you you would pay thirteen dollars tier member to be part uh, of that. Yeah, I would. Owners and I, and I do company. Weird. Well, if you can ever think of somebody like that, they would probably be interested in being inter- interviewed. If you know, if you really had some hard hitting questions, there there's a lot and an autograph. They would probably even give you an yeah. autograph. If I think it's somebody like that, I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But I got to be honest. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. It is like I'm drawing blanks. <laughs> I'll make a list. I've I've actually already started one uh Google Doc for each that I share I'll share out with you with the name. That was this I was thinking that's <laughs> top of mind. Uh he's also got a silver marker that he uses for autographs, so it's kind of fun. Weird. He got it for his birthday. From it's almost as arrogant as buying a gold Mercedes. He bought. Well, he got he it on a his mark. Bu- I mean, sorry. This guy, yeah, bought a marker, a silver marker, yeah. so that he could sign autographs. Yeah, he got it for his birth. Well, he, he he bought it on his birthday. He found it 
for the purpose in case he needs to sign an autograph. Autographs. Yep. Only you say two he's a podcaster. Yeah. He uh, thinks he's going to come up into a situation enough to justify uh, of of needing to sign an autograph like he's fucking Tom Hardy. Yeah. That he needs to buy a silver marker to carry with him. Yeah. Um, also, I was Googling this earlier. I, I read an article, uh, a whole article on this crazy fact. You shouldn't keep silver markers in your back pocket when you're driving. I read an article about that, and it was like, what? Because it gets all over your pants and shirt. Yeah, I would say shouldn't carry silver markers at all. Well, but if you need to autograph something, you know, you got to kind of be at the ready. Yeah, sure, if you're Ryan Gosling. Or super. There's a lot of pod. There's a lot of famous. There's a couple famous podcasts. Oh yeah. Producers. Name out one there. that has to sign autographs regularly. You know what? I'm going to surprise you with the name. Okay. What are you doing on October 11th through the 13th? What are you going to be? What are you doing? I'm going to be in Colorado. <gasps> Weird. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I will surprise you but with against an, my will. I'll get you an autograph while you're there. Okay, buddy. Me and the operator are going to be in Colorado. Uh, we're flying out to hang out, meet some listeners, and uh, and, and get to know people. Um, when is it? Colorado, October 11th through the 13th. We're going because we're doing a new thing called Kenton the Opera Famous, and we walk around the town until we're noticed. We have over 11 listeners yeah. in Denver. Just over. Somewhere between 81,000 and 11 listeners. You can pick which one we have. And, uh, and then it would be interesting what percentage of those know or even care what we look like. <laughs> which we'll find out. And then that. what percentage of the ones that do know what we look like would even care if they saw us. Yeah. Which we'll find out for sure because we're having a meetup on the 12th at night. Not quite sure where yet. If it's a Shoney's or a alleyway. For the record, for the listener, I'm a victim in all of this. I am Sabina Petrescu of all of this. You get your own Delta shirt to wear on the plane. What? Oh, thank you. I You're forgot welcome. that I'm going to be targeted because I'm. <laughs> it looks like I'm trying to commit some... That's so shady. I've got two words for you. You get free Wi-Fi. No, you don't. And free employee breakfasts. I'm done feel- with this. All right. I love you so much. <laughs> if you like the show, join us on Patreon, 1159 Media. We do a daily show now. That's every single day. You get a daily show, aside from Saturday and Sunday. So every single work day, you get a daily show from us. Those run between an hour and two hours. That's ten extra, almost 10 extra hours of content a week. So if you're a fan of this, you like more of it, um, come join us on Patreon. And uh, that, at the $13 tier, you get the daily show. It's that's you know ten extra co- hours of content a week, and uh, we'll see you there. And uh, that's all I've got. That's it for the Sun Gym Gang. Op, I want to thank you for joining me, and uh, and good day to you, sir. Thank you. I'll t- I'll call you tomorrow. I've got no, a lot of no, please don't. Lot. Please don't. Got some documents you Do got to sign. Do not call me. Give me fudge. I didn't know if you had your passport already, so I made you one. All right. Talk to you tomorrow about it. Don't call me tomorrow. Okay. Love you. Bye.